Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Book of Joshua. Thank you. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, chapter 1. This morning we'll do a little gleaning, gleaning in uh, Joshua chapter 1. I'd like to talk to you today about being on the edge of the promised land. Every, every time the first of the year rolls around, I think there's a lot of people, I, I'm included in that, that feel like, you know, I, I think this next year could be a better year. For me, I, I think it, uh, I could uh, grow more in Christ. Uh, I think I could, uh, spiritually speaking, turn over a new leaf. And uh, we're all looking forward to that. And so these people back in this particular period of time, they were looking forward to the promised land. They were looking forward to a life of uh, the land of milk and honey, uh, the, land that, uh, the land of spiritual blessing. And so God is laying his hand upon uh, the next generation right here in Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to you, the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, said the Lord, said to Moses. And here we have the dimensions of the Holy Land. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, in the north of Israel is Lebanon. As far as the great river, that's east, to the Euphrates, that's in Iraq. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, that's the Mediterranean, shall your territory be. Now this is just a, a reiteration of a promise that was given way back in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, the Lord gave the promise uh, back there to another generation. Now he repeats that promise to this generation. You're going to have all this land. And by the way, most people believe that Israel has never occupied all the land that God gave them. Actually, what's been happening as the, war, as the, the land over there has been expanding and contracting and most of the time, it's been contracting. And when you look at the little piece of property that the nation of Israel is inhabiting right now, it's very small. It's uh, nothing compared to what God gave them. It's nothing compared to their title deed, which is given to us right here. Verse 5 says, No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, if you were going on a mission from God, wouldn't that be comforting? That would be real comforting. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. This is a perennial promise right here from God. Whenever God calls you on mission and me on mission, he always promises to go with us. He doesn't send us alone out there by ourselves. He said, listen, Joshua, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You may have other people do that to you, but not me. And then he, then he looks down in the heart of Joshua. And he says, be strong and of good courage. 
For to this people shall I divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He repeats himself, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do. Now, I can't emphasize this enough in the church. Uh, If you like to mark in your Bible, underline, circle the word to do, because that's that's the most important thing here. Uh, That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Uh, Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The Lord is saying to Joshua right here, uh, I want you to be courageous because in order to follow me, you have to be courageous. Because uh, you're going to be charting a new course, a different course, a course that is alien to this world. And so you need to be strong and very courageous to do this. And he says, the, the where you're going to get your information is from the law of Moses. Now, you and I have much more to deal with today. We have uh, all the books of the Bible. Joshua just had... Uh, the first five books of Moses, maybe Job. And so he says, listen, I want you to just concentrate on this. Don't go from the left to the right, the right to the left. Keep your focus. And then he makes another promise in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He said, I want you to be talking about it, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That means to assimilate it, to digest it, that you may observe, again, notice, to do according to all that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good what? Success. Now, this is the success that God promises the believer right here. Uh, God says, in my eyes, if you do what I teach you to do in the Bible, in my eyes, you're going to be successful. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but that inspires me. It really does. That's inspirational to me. You know, it makes a little difference to me uh, to to be able to be successful in the eyes of the world because that's all so fleeting, isn't it? So fleeting and so fickle. You can have the world's accolades one minute and uh, something quite different the next minute from the world. But when God looks at you and in his estimation you're successful, that means you're successful. And then he says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's just uh, glean a little bit here in in Joshua chapter 1 this morning. Joshua was a person that didn't just come on the scene. He was a person that was in training by God. Uh, If you go back and you study the life of Joshua, you find that he was born in Egyptian bondage. He was born as a slave down in Egypt. Uh, he in the Bible is a type of Jesus. In fact, his name in Hebrew is the, the equivalent of Jesus in English, uh, which means Savior. And so he not only was a type of Jesus in the Bible, what he, but he was also a type of a person that God can use. Uh, I believe that when a, whenever we come to Christ, God begins our training period uh, for, for service. God begins to mold you. He begins to make you. He begins to work with you, and he begins to create you into his image or his profile. And so Joshua, first of all, was created in hardship. He was born in a very hard place. You know, hardship is a great refiner. You know, it really is. 
Someone said one time, rarely do men seek God until they have exhausted their resources. You haven't grown very much recently, have you, whenever things going smoothly for you. But whenever things kind of like crash out and bomb out, you really grow in God, don't you? You begin to reevaluate your priorities. You begin to think about God rather than all the other situations that you have going on. And so Joshua was raised in a culture where hardship was the order of the day. It really was. Uh, Psalms 119 verse 71 is an interesting verse. Let's read it together. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Why does trouble come into our life? God tries to get our attention. He wants to drive us to his word, the Bible, so we can be successful. That's why. God does not want us to be a spiritual failure. And so the only way that we can be successful is to be married to the word of the Lord and bonded to the word of the Lord, inspired by the word of the Lord, and, and obey the word of the Lord. And so the psalmist says here, listen, it's been good that I've been afflicted because in my afflictions, I have run to you. Now, I'm sure that you can identify with that. How much do we learn in the crucible of suffering? You know, a lot of the suffering in our life are things that we created. Can I have an amen? amen. Yeah. A lot of things in our life are the things that we created. Uh, but uh, lots of times I see, I see in the church that a lot of suffering in people's lives have been created by other people in their life. Either or, it doesn't make a lot of difference uh, if it's all used for the glory of the Lord. And so... Uh, and so the psalmist says here, listen, this is a good thing for me. In retrospect, it's a good thing for me because it caused me to learn to be successful from God's word. It's driven me to God's word, to his direction. And so Joshua was created in hardship. He was a servant. Look with me in verse number one and two. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. God likes this word servant. And so here he is. Uh, Moses is gone. He's off the scene, but he's remembered by God as his servant. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, again, servant or assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh, he keeps using that word. Uh, he was a servant, a minister of Moses. You know, that's so countercultural. It's, uh, but it's interesting to me that God uses that word a number of times right here in the opening of this book. Um, also in the New Testament, Paul used that word some too. Whenever he wrote to the book of Romans, he said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Whenever he wrote to the Philippians, he said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 26 is uh, some good uh, comparative verse. Let's read it. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant. Uh, you want to be a great Christian? Be a servant. Now, uh, this story is set uh, in, uh, in the context of uh, Mrs. Zebedee. Mrs. Zebedee came to Jesus, and she was a good mother. She was looking out for her kids. And she said to the Lord, Lord, I have these two boys, uh, James and John, 
And I can just visualize them, one sitting on one side and the other on your side in your kingdom. Mothers do that, you know that? Uh, they want their kids to do well. They want their kids to be exalted. And, uh, and so the Lord comes back and talks to her and he says, Listen, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. He said, he said first of all, he says, that's not in my power. My fa- that's my father's decision. You know, the greatest joy is to be a servant. Socrates said, had a motto. And when he challenged his students, this was his motto, know yourself. A Greek, another Greek philosopher, Epictetus, his motto was, control yourself. Jesus was, lose yourself. That's the motto of Jesus. Lose yourself. Um, the world's motto is promote yourself, right? Get out there and promote yourself. Make yourself look big in the eyes of the world and that will give you good self-esteem. That will give you all the, all the things that you really need in life. But Jesus said, listen, I want you to lose yourself. The greatest joy is servanthood. Mark 10.45 is one of my favorite verses. Let's read it. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Another parallel verse is Matthew 10.39. Let's look at that. Let's read it. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake We'll find it. Now, I love that verse. I'm, I'm, I'm like in love with that verse. Is that okay for me to say that? It, I mean, that, that just so inspires me. And what Jesus is saying is, is if you go out and you try to look after you and you try to build up you, you're going to, to lose your life. But he that loses his life for my sake will find it. If you just pour out your life For my sake, you'll find the purpose for which I created you. And you know, that's always been one of the driving principles in my life. uh, To to be able to find God's purpose for my life. And that, that is so awesome to me. And so Jesus said, listen, I want you to just lose your life. The purpose for which we're made. Uh, Joshua had another characteristic, and that was his willingness to stand alone. Uh, that's why the Lord said to him, listen, if you're going to do these things that I'm telling you, you've got to be strong and very courageous. Now, he's already done this before God laid his hand upon him to take the mantle of Moses. Because remember, in your reading about 40 years earlier, he was one of the original 12 spies that went up into the Canaan land. And he came back and, and uh, he and Caleb gave what we call the minority report. They said, listen, the land's ready there for the taking. Let's just go in. Come on. Uh, rarely is the majority the custodian of truth. Uh, the majority report went out, and the nation of Israel just kind of wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years because of the lack of faith. It wasn't the lack of Joshua's faith. It wasn't the lack of Caleb's faith. He was willing to stand alone. He not only was a person who was willing to stand alone, but he was a person who had God's calling on his life. God called him to this, uh, to this profession. And I was just thinking about that. Uh, that whenever you and I come to the Lord, 
in the Bible, we are called the called too. How about Romans 8.28? All things happen to all things happen for good to those who love God and to those who are what? Called according to his purpose. You know, you and I responded to the call of God. Uh, we heard God knocking on our heart's door and we opened our heart's door and, and we, uh, God initiated this relationship with us and we responded to his call. And so we have God's calling upon our life. And so this is the thing that can draw, this is the thing that can empower us whenever we get discouraged. We do get discouraged, don't we? How many people here get discouraged sometimes? Well, I think that's unanimous. Uh, we do get discouraged, but see, God has called us to the life that we are to live for him. And so Joshua was driven by the call of God, and we should be too. Uh, but his real success came uh, with this promise that we have here. Uh, listen, if you don't depart, if you meditate in my law day and night, uh, you're going to be prosperous and you're going to have good success. Uh, you know, a good exercise is for you to read Psalm 119. And so I want to ask you to look there with me, right in the middle of your Bible. See if you can find it. Psalm 119 never seems to end, by the way. It just goes on and on. I think there's 170 verses in one chapter. Uh, but in Psalm 119... There are so many neat things about God's word and what it does for you and me. I just, I just want to pick out a few of them this morning. Um, in verse number 25, it says this. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. The word of God revives us. You know, we, uh, we have like a spiritual bat a battery. I, I, I think that's, that's a fair analogy. And whenever we put spiritual input into that battery, it revives us. It makes us run. But when we, we don't, we start going slower and slower and slower as a Christian. We really do. And the, the way to be revived is through God's word. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever you're like wiped out spiritually and you, you say, okay, I'm going to have a new commitment to the word of God, Man, you start, it's like, it's like somebody energizes you. You become, after a while, the, uh, the energizer rabbit. Uh, verse 25. Look at verse 28. My soul melts with heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Uh, we get spiritual strength through the word of God. He says, listen, I want your strength, but I know it's through the word of God. Strengthen me. Make me strong. Now, that equates with being successful as a Christian. It really does. If you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might, you can be successful as a Christian. And look at verse number 45 with me, please. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. You know, whenever we apply the word of God to our life, it liberates us. It really does. It liberates us from what people say about us. It liberates us from what people think about us. It liberates us from the bondage that is out there in our world. It's liberating, isn't it? The Word of God. And then, and then another one that I, that I really like is verse 105. Look at that one. The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Now, as our world gets darker and darker, we need light, don't we? I mean, we need a light that, to kind of guide us right through all the darkness that's around us and help other people find the light as well. So all of these things are available to you as you meditate on and grow in love with God's word and do the things that he says to you to do there. Uh, Psalms uh, 100, uh, Psalm 1, uh, verse 2 and 3, we have that. Let's, let's re read this, okay? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that it brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There it is one more time. A different source one more time. He meditates in it day and night, and, uh, and when the, the blights come, and all of those things happen that are negative, uh, this person has their roots down in the water of life, and their leaf will not wither, and whatever they do will prosper. Wow, isn't that neat? To, to be able to think that you and I can be spiritually prosperous in God. And that means doing God's will. That means obeying him. And that means enjoying the presence of the Lord in our life and his blessing. Well, this was the person that God used, the type of a person that God can use. Now, I hope that you have a passion in your heart today to be used by God. Uh, I think it would probably be, uh, it's not a good thing if, if you just kind of live this life and do your own thing and you miss out on the will of God. That's not a good thing. And so I want to raise your awareness. Uh, I want to heighten your expectations today. Uh, these people were ready to cross into the Jordan. Go back to Joshua chapter 3, okay? Joshua chapter 3. They were getting ready to cross the Jordan. And in verse number 1, the scripture says, Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was that after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and the priests, and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Follow the priests, follow the Levites, follow the ark of God. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, about a half a mile. Do not come near it, that you may know the way of which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Now, I've underlined that, and that phrase has always challenged me. This is the walk of faith. You have not passed this way before. God wants to take you and me into uncharted territory. He wants to take us out of our comfort zone, uh, he wants to stretch us. He wants to build us. He wants to use us in territory that we have never traveled before. Now, that's a scary thought. That's why he kept reiterating to Joshua, listen, you've got to be strong. You've got to be courageous because we're going places you have never been before. And I believe that's applicable to you and me today. So in verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Well, 
They had this opportunity 40 years ago at a place called Kadesh Barnea. But now we have a new generation. They're ready to cross over the Jordan this time. The Jordan is a type of death to the world. Remember, Egypt is a picture of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. And now God's people are moving out. And they're crossing the Jordan, and that's a type of death to the world. I'm putting the world behind me. This is a step of faith. The Jordan, as you know here in your reading, is at flood stage. And there's an enormous amount of people that have to cross over. Their guide would be the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant symbolizes the presence of God. And so what the scripture is saying here is if you're going to go to the Holy Land, the Promised Land, the land that flows in milk and honey, you have to follow God there. You have to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Don't follow any man. Follow God. Keep your eyes on the Lord and him alone. He knows the way. Now, Canaan is not heaven. You've, you've sung some songs. Years ago, we used to talk about that. And we, uh, we let our hymnology uh, become our theology, and sometimes that's not good. Uh, Canaan is not a picture of heaven. Because when, you, when these people were going into the Canaan land, they had to fight their way through there. They, had to, they won some battles and they lost some battles. And that's what the Christian life is about, isn't it? We don't always win these battles. Sometimes we lose. Uh, sometimes uh, things don't turn out the way we think they need to turn out. Uh, this, this crossing of the crossing of the Jordan here denotes the end of the self-life and the beginning of the Christ life. It, uh, it's, it's a break with the world. And, you know, there's always a struggle, isn't there, in every generation with the world. There always is. Uh, you know, there are so many people coming to Christ today, and they're coming right out of the world, and, and the world wants to hold on to them. And in their heart, in their sinful nature, they want to hold on to the world a little bit, too. And they try to do this balancing act. You know, well, I'll be a Christian, and I'll do this, too. I'll go over here, and I'll be this for a while. And then I, I don't want to give up that. Now, crossing the Jordan uh, was, uh, was a symbol of turning their back on the world, just leaving the world behind as best they could. You know, it would be, uh, and, and here the Bible says he calls them to, to spiritual preparation. I want you to sanctify yourself, clean yourself up, because God's going to do great things through you. And, you know, I believe this with all my heart. God can't do great things through us unless we clean ourselves up. Simple as that. Second Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil that God can use for his purpose. You'll be clean and ready for the master to use you for every good work. Uh, he says, listen, you've got to sanctify yourselves. God's going to do a great work in our midst. And so uh, that's my message to you today. I have more, but I have less time. I have more message, but less time. So that's my message to you today. Sanctify yourselves uh, because the Lord wants to do a great work in your life this year. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today in the church, I just want to ask you on this uh, second Sunday of the new year uh, to look into your heart and respond to what God's been leading you uh, these days. Um, 
let's cross the Jordan, let's leave the world, let's cut the cord, and uh, let's go on and enjoy the land that flows with milk and honey. Ask God to give you a passion for his word, a love for it, an insatiable desire to do his will. And these are the things that we pray about. Uh, and God, these are the kind of prayers that God loves to answer. Uh, God's not interested in a lot of the prayers that we pray, but boy, he's interested in these because uh, always remember this. He wants to make you spiritually successful. He wants to prosper you in a spiritual way. He wants, to be, he wants you to be effective. He wants you to realize his goals in your life, not yours. And so whenever we read the word and whenever we learn from the word, uh, he changes our attitude and he makes us want to aspire to his, to his desires rather than ours. Dear Lord, as we come now at the end of our service, I pray that you'll do a spiritual work in our heart, Lord. Uh, move in among us today and uh, revive our spirit. Uh, give, us, uh, give us a vision beyond where we are for this new year. Lord, may this new year be the very finest year that we've ever had, spiritually speaking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. And if you'd like to come and pray and here at the altar this morning, you just feel free to do that as God leads you.